Amen. Thank you, Carmela. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, go ahead and have a seat. We just want to appreciate Dan Bohai for coming and giving us your evening and pouring your love and your strength into this spiritual family. Now, Dan's got this big thing that I want to tell you about. He won't take any offerings from us. He says, I've been here to ministry to minister, but I, I do it as a love gift. I'm not doing it. I don't want an offering. So I want you to tell them about your ministry so they can send you money personally. <laughs> For real, can you tell them how they can? Do you have a newsletter? Good. Okay. So Thank you. Yes. Okay. Let's get that thing going. See, it's worth the phone. It is? We want some. I know, but I can't hear you. Well, are you going to turn it on eventually? Well, let me pray for you. Are you going to turn it on? Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> the green light is on. <laughs> We're just having fun. Should I just talk loud like George no. Whitfield? <laughs> Did you know that George Whitfield, like 1740, in the first great awakening in America, he could, 22, 23 years old, he, well, in, in England too, it was a great awakening. He's a British preacher, but he came to America, could preach to 30,000 people, no microphone. They said he had a voice like an angel. And one of the famous stories of George Whitfield, I'm just stalling while you're doing this, because he was one of my heroes. I read several of his biographies. Ben Franklin was really moved. Elderly Ben Franklin, when, when Whitfield was 22, 23, 25, and he led tens of thousands. Whitfield, Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, those were kind of the names we're familiar with from, from that time. And uh, Whitfield would preach, and he would call for offerings for orphans, because there were so many orphans in America in those early days. Well, I mean, there still are, but they, they didn't have orphanages. And his big thing was to raise up orphanages. And Ben Franklin says, that kid, when he preaches, I give him all my money, so I'm not going to bring any. So he emptied his pockets. He went there and just would, you know, because he respected him, but I don't even know if George, I mean, if Ben Franklin, I don't even know what, where he was spiritually, but Whitfield preached, and Ben Franklin borrowed money from the guy next to him and <laughs> gave the offering. Amen. That's Amen. a famous story. <laughs> Am I working now? Yeah, you are. Okay, amen. So tell us how people can okay, slow into your okay. ministry. Okay, so our, our ministry has uh, five traveling teams that do what I do full-time, except this year. <laughs> We've been uh, on vacation for six months, but the Lord opened up for me to go again. I leave next weekend and I'm gonna hit about 20 churches between now and Christmas, heading all over the Western part of America. I'm so excited about it. But um, no, we do, we have uh, tent crusades, we have a school of ministry, we have a ministry that we help in Washington DC and the Knesset in Israel. We plant churches in three countries, plus here in America, we have a school of ministry, we have a sex trafficking ministry, we have a lot of ministry going on. And we don't, do it because of what churches give us. We do it because we have people that sow into our ministry monthly, okay? So I wanna give you a chance tonight to fill out a card. Can you do that for me? Everybody excited about it? I need your help, Josh. I need your help. Get up, get the cards. That's my son, Josh, and 
He's going to have his people helping him. You're going to hand out cards. Get up, get up, get up, get up. And, and just whoever wants a card, I'll give you some instructions and we'll get that done so we don't have to worry about it at the end when God's healing people. Amen? So if you want to become a small partner, let me tell you what happens if you, if you become a small monthly partner. I don't want to take your tithe away from here, but if you want to sow into our ministry, um, you'll, get, you'll have access to our online library, which is thousands and thousands of sermons. So I need you to fill out the card, but we have to be able to read every line. And you say, well, why would you say that? Because every time I get cards, we can't read. We can't read them. So don't write in Hebrew. Don't write in Aramaic. Don't write in Greek. We, don't, we just want English. And we need you to print. I need you to, I need you to hurry because I want to get to the sermon so, but I need you to fill out every line, really. Fill out every line. And, and there's somebody that wants one right there. He's holding his hand up. When you're done filling it out, tear the yellow copy off. It's your copy. And then hold the white copy up and we'll pick it up right quick and then we can move on. Amen? You, isn't that easy? Praise the Lord. No, I believe, in, I believe in IHOP KC. I believe in Forerunner Church. I believe in Mike and Diane and the whole team. And I'm actually praying that a fresh fire will fall on Mike and Diane tonight and that they will be revived like maybe never before in their life. That's what I'm praying. I spent 10 days, 10 hours today alone with Jesus in my house and I just felt so close to him all day long and I I just am anticipating a lot tonight. Amen? Are you guys blessed to be here? This is actually, you know, this is crazy. This is the fifth time I've been asked to speak up here in 14 months. I might be an auxiliary member, I think. I might be an auxiliary member. But I'm going to preach tonight on uh, why I believe in healing. Is that a good topic? Because I really do. I think we all believe in healing. I just think we get weary in our believing when nothing happens. Oh, yeah, hand me the book. Uh, I wrote a book a couple years ago called Holiness and Healing, and hundreds of you bought them last time I was here a year ago in August, but I have six of them here tonight because I've been sitting at home in a prayer room for six months, and I thought, what better way to celebrate six months sitting in a prayer room than giving away six books? I just want to give away six books tonight, okay? And it's my first book. Now, if you want one, you've got to run up here really fast. Josh, you got, they're right there, they're right there, they're right there, okay, great, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll get you one, hey, I have more in my car, I'll get, I'll get the first lady's mom one tonight afterwards, I want, I want on her good side, she told me uh, one Sunday when I was here after the service that she prays for me. And I really want all of you to pray for me. I need your prayers as I try to wake up the church. Come on, you guys. I'm a missionary to the American church. And I need your prayers. We need revival, don't we? Do we need revival? Now, this is what I... I want you to fill out the card. Fill out the card. I've got to get it done, you guys, because I don't want anybody to steal your identity. So I want you to hold it up. We can come pick them up. And I'm not going to preach till you do. So I wish we had some music. I wish we had that, that Jeopardy music. Yeah, I wish we had some Jeopardy music. I don't even know who's doing that. 
I didn't pre-plan that. But when you have your cards ready, amen. You know what, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to ask for partners because we actually have partners that sow into our ministry that God has really blessed them to be billionaires. And we believe in biblical principles, right? That if you sow, God can bless you. And so I'm not ashamed to ask for your help. Amen? And I didn't say this, but we sow, we sow thousands of dollars into this ministry every year. Not only do I not want your offerings, but I want to sow money in here because I believe in what you're doing. Come on. You, you guys are actually, you're a house of prayer. This is what Jesus said he wanted. Amen. Did you realize you're doing what he said? So would you guys help me pick up cards? They're holding up cards. We got we to pick up cards. Remember, keep the yellow copy for yourself. This is awkward. <laughs> I feel bad, but Mike said, no, you need to do it. So I'm doing what he said. Um, Mike said, Mike said to me, he sent me a text this week and he said, don't, don't, don't preach a message. We have so many messages around here. That's what he said. Nobody ever tells me that wherever I go. Nobody ever says that. He says, don't preach a message. Just tell some stories and let's have miracles. <laughs> Crazy. So I'll tell a few, I'll tell a few. I'll preach a little, but not much, but. Everybody got their cards? You wanna hold your cards up? Because I really do wanna start preaching. Hmm. Keep looking around, honey. Keep looking around, because there was a bunch of them over here that got them. Now check this out, you guys. I wrote a new book just now, and it's coming out in a few weeks, and guess what it's called? Identity. Who you are in Christ and why it matters. Now, I didn't know we'd be in a pandemic when I wrote it. But the way things are shaping up and what may happen after the election and what for sure is going to happen after the first of the year when we have all these homeless people. Come on, you're going to need to know who you are in Christ, aren't you? Come on. I mean, we need to know who we are in Christ if we're going to make it, right? We can't have a feeling about it. We need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know our, our identity. And so if you want that book, you can order it on my website at becominglovedministries.com. There's a page there. You can order the book, and we'll ship it to you. And I promise you, I, I, I feel like I'm so excited about the book. It's really anointed. So identity, you're really impressed, aren't you? <laughs> when I come here on Sundays, you're always having one or two books every Sunday. So you guys are booked out. I get it. So... Okay, you ready for the sermon? Okay, why I believe in healing? Probably because we need it, right? Especially in 2020, we need healing, right? Uh, I didn't really believe in it until it happened to me. And so I think there has to be things in our spiritual journey that reignite first fruits, first love, first faith again, right? We need innocent, pure faith that's not tainted by disappointment, right? So there needs to be things that happen in our spiritual journey that ignite faith like it's for the first time. You guys agree with that? Come on, if you agree with it, raise your hand. Okay, so I got hit. I told you this last August, a year ago, 
that I got hit by this big semi-truck, right? And I spent a year in a hospital bed, right? And um, after my second surgery, I remember one night, I couldn't sleep because it hurt to breathe. You know you're in pain when it hurts to breathe. Come on, my back was broken, my liver was lacerated, my pelvic was crushed, my pelvis was crushed. I was in pain. And I was watching this, the, the 700 Club and James Robertson was doing a tent revival on the 700 Club and he said, Jesus can heal you tonight. I remember him saying that on the TV. I was in my hospital bed at home, hurting to breathe. And he said, all you gotta do is reach out and touch God. It's like two in the morning. My wife's asleep in the real bed. I'm next to her in the hospital bed. And this guy on the TV says, just reach out and touch God. He can heal your body. So, I, you know, I, I got nothing to lose. I'm in a hospital bed and my wife's asleep and the kids are all in their rooms. And so I just did, okay, here I go. And I reached up and about there, all of a sudden I felt tingling, warm, go all the way through my arms, all the way through my body, all the way through my whole body, and all of a sudden, my pelvis shifted and cracked. And they never had to put metal plates or anything in my bones, because God healed them instantly. And I just remember, I got up, and I, I could walk without my walker, but I was hurting breathing until he touched me. Now when he touches you, it changes how you believe. Do you guys agree with that? I remember I walked down the 14 stairs to my living room from our bedroom, no walker, and I had no pain. And I, and I looked around and I started watering the plants because they were kind of droopy. And I started, I dusted the furniture for my wife at two in the morning and I don't ever dust when I feel good. So, but when God heals you, you feel like doing things that you usually don't feel like doing. Do you guys agree with this? Now, this is when I started believing in healing. I always believed God could forgive us. I always believed God could provide. I always believed God could guide. I always believed God could cleanse. I believed all those things. I believed God could give us eternal life, but I hadn't experienced healing. And Matthew 10 says, freely you receive freely. So then I started believing, whoa. Then I remember when he healed me of depression. I used to want to take my life. I didn't want to live, because depression leads to anxiety, leads to worry, leads to fear, and leads to the spirit of death, and leads to hopelessness. And this year, there's more of that in our country than ever before. I mean, I talk to pastors every day that feel hopeless. Come on, you guys, let alone the people in the churches. I feel so bad for pastors this year. They're, listen, they're working three times harder than they've ever worked for a third the audience they've ever had. We need to pray for pastors. Are you guys with me? So I remember I, just, I, had, the, I had the bridge picked out that I was going to drive my work truck off of it. It was like around 79th Street and 435 on the Kansas side. And I could make it look like an accident because I always work 60 hours a week. And so I just would act like I was tired, and I, I envisioned driving my truck off and crashing into 435 and killing myself. And one night I was sleeping, and the Holy Spirit comes to me, and he says, 
are you tired of being depressed? I said, am I tired? He goes, I could heal you. I said, okay. He goes, you want me to heal you? Yeah. And he did. And I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. Now, I, I feel like the majority of the miracles that I see in my travels are pain in people's bodies and depression and fear. Because freely you receive, freely give. You guys get it? Is this good so far? Last time I was here in August, remember there was like 400 people standing and there was no seats and tonight we're like, there's a big attrition going on. There must be a virus. <laughs> there must be a virus. Some of you look like bank robbers. <laughs> and some of you look like you have nice chin straps. <laughs> That's a joke. That was stupid. That was just stupid. So... Um, let me give you just a few scriptures before I tell a few more stories, and then we're going to pray for miracles. You know, I was thinking today, about 25 years ago, Randy Clark, a little pastor, a little church, about 10% of this size, was asked to go to preach a couple times at a church in Canada. And when he went, God poured out, and it didn't stop for a couple decades and it touched 30 million people. And I'm wondering if God could do that again. I'm wondering if you guys have prayed like more than anybody on the planet. <laughs> and maybe he could start it here. What if revival broke out here? In the, in the, in the middle of the country. And maybe it would save our nation. Because that's the only hope, revival, right? The only hope is revival. So here's some reasons why I believe in healing. I told you I was going to preach on that. So I am going to preach a little bit, even though Mike said I, don't, I shouldn't. I'm going to do it. Because I, I don't take offerings, so I can do it, right? <laughs> First reason I believe in healing is because I believe it's God's will. And the reason why I believe it's God's will is because in the beginning, God created man in his image. Genesis 1, 27, in his likeness, he created him. God's never been sick. God's never called in sick. He's never had a bad day. He's never been afraid. He's never been depressed. Come on, God is like healthy. Do you guys get it? Come on, do you guys get it? You say, well, this is too simple. I'm trying to make it simple. I want everybody to get it. Come on, we're, we're all dying of carbon monoxide. I'm trying to make it real simple, okay. So, so um, <laughs> come on. And I believe that God's original plan was for total health and healing, and I don't think we ever, we ever would have died. Do you guys agree with that? I don't think women would have had monthly cramps. I don't think they would have had pain giving kids. I think it was perfect when God did it. So it must have been his will to make it perfect, right? When God says it's good, it's good. And then we also know that eternally we're going to be healed, right? With our new bodies. Come on. 
Revelation 21.4, there's coming a time when he wipes away every tear and there's never any more pain, ever. Ever. So God's original plan and God's eternal plan are what? Healing. So I don't think he's bipolar. Come on, somebody just shake your heads. I think sin messed it up. I think we messed up his plan, but we didn't change his will. Come on, you guys get this. Sin messed it up. This fallen world messed it up. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. In Malachi 3:10, it says, I am God and I never change. So what God created us to be and what God's gonna recreate us to be one day are his plans for eternity, past, present, and future. Come on. And so if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, how could you ever pray a prayer of faith? You would just pray a prayer of maybe he will, maybe he won't. That's not faith. So we got to start there, right? Come on. And people get so mad at me when I preach this. I mean, they just fume. Yeah, but what about this? And what about this? And, what about, and I just look at them. Why are you mad at me? I'm not the God who created humans in his image. I'm, I'm not the God who's going to make us all perfect forever. Come on. I'm not the God who made us sin. He wasn't the one tempting us. Man, I can't wait to see Satan when that angel kicks him in the pit. Won't that be fun? Won't that be fun? Just one little angel. When we see Satan, it's you. You. Anyway, okay, I, I gotta hurry up. Mike said don't preach, so I gotta hurry up. Now listen, I also believe in healing. I also believe in healing because of how Jesus did it. For instance, nobody who ever came to him that needed a miracle didn't get it. You guys agree with that? Tell me you agree so far. Because I thought it'd be easy to preach at IHOP about why I believe in healing. Amen? By the way, I'm going to give you a heads up. I love you all so much, but I think you need revival just as much as anybody. I think you guys need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit like never before. I think you need fresh fire, fresh faith, fresh belief. Come on. I think you guys need a fresh unction so we don't have to just keep hearing about the gospel. We can actually do the gospel, right? So, um, so, so Jesus healed everybody that came to him. And this is, this is amazing because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father in John 10, 30. And he also said this. He said... Uh, no one has ever seen God except me. And I'm in his bosom because I live from his heart and I make him known. So everybody that comes to Jesus needing a miracle must be what the Father wants or Jesus wouldn't have done it. Right? I also believe in healing. I'm, I'm not going to give you the hundred reasons why. I'm going to give you half a dozen. Is that good? Then I want to tell some stories. <laughs> this is so fun. This is fun. I also believe in healing because of the way Jesus did it as one of us. Now let me explain that because I can't, but I'm going to try. I don't know how to explain him being fully God and fully man. And if you can explain that to me, I'll, I'll give you an hour. 
but you can't either. But I want to tell you some things that give me hope for us. Jesus did all those miracles, come on, and Jesus got hungry. God doesn't get hungry. Jesus got weary and needed angels to comfort him. God doesn't need to be comforted. Jesus was tempted in every way, Hebrews 4, come on. James says God can't be tempted. Come on. Jesus sweat in such agony in Luke twenty two forty two that he sweat something like blood. I don't know what it was. It was like blood. God doesn't sweat agony blood. Come on. Come on, you guys. Jesus walks out of the wilderness in Luke 4, 18. says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He's anointed me. God doesn't need to be anointed. I'm preaching good. Now, now, now listen, listen, listen. The disciples say, hey, Jesus, when are you going to wrap this thing up, man? I love his answer. I have no idea. The father knows. God knows everything. You see, so whoever Jesus was, I know he was God, you guys. I get it. I know he was God. But I also know that he limited himself somehow to face temptation, to face hunger, to taste to taste pain, to feel agony. Do you guys get it? To limit what he knows. And he still pulled off healing whenever anybody needed it. Like he never said, oh, Friday nights aren't good. Um, Saturday's better for me. (laughs) Isn't this a great message? I stole the whole message out of the Bible. I promise you. I stole it, the whole thing. I also believe in healing. Now listen to this. I also believe in healing because I believe in faith. How many believe in faith? Now, I I believe in healing because I believe in faith. Now listen, there's not one verse in the entire Bible that says, according to your lack of faith, let it be done unto you. It's always according to your faith. And if you have a little bit like a mustard seed or a big faith, it doesn't matter. If it's in Jesus, anything's possible. So that's enough about faith. Now here's the danger. If you have faith in your faith, it's idolatry. And idolaters are like sorcerers to God. So don't be an idolater. Let's just have faith in Jesus. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So faith pulls what we all believe about his yesterday heroics and his forever heroics Faith pulls it to today. Would you guys agree with that? Galatians 6.2 says today is the day of soteria. Today's the day. Come on. So if you hear his word today, Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4, don't harden your heart. Come on, let's act on his word today. Because every time he sends a word, what is it? Psalms 107.20, it brings healing, right? So if you hear his word, let's believe it, even though last time it didn't happen. Let's get our, let's put those things behind us. Let's don't look backwards, try to walk forward. I think that's how Jesus healed everybody that came to him. He didn't ever have a bad experience. Now, he did have an advantage. He did not have a sinful adolescence. He didn't have to overcome some hidden, mysterious, sin, secret, lust problem. Come on. He was perfect. 
That's why I believe in holiness. We need the character of Christ. If we're going to walk in the charismatic power of the Holy Spirit, we got to have his heart first, right? You guys know. You've heard me preach, right? So I believe in healing because it's God's will. I believe in healing because of how Jesus did it. I believe in healing because I believe in faith. I believe in healing because I believe in authority. How many know he gives us authority? Authority is the right to use power. It's a big deal to God for us to use authority. Come on. In Mark 9 and Matthew 17, remember when the, the, the man who had the boy was epileptic, demonized? He brought him to the disciples and they couldn't heal him. You guys know the story, right? If you know the story, raise your hand. Come on. Okay, you all know the story. <laughs> I forgot my Bible tonight, so I'm running fast. Okay. So they go, Jesus, I brought my sick boy to your church. They couldn't heal him. Now, I understand Jesus and the three like leading prophets and apostles were on the mountain watching Jesus get transfigured. Come on. So I, I kind of cut him some slack. Come on. Jesus didn't. You know what Jesus said in public? Wicked. Perverted. Generation. How long am I going to put up with you? He didn't treat fornicators and murderers and tax evaders like that. He gave them grace and mercy. But people that didn't use their authority, it made him mad. Come on, it made God mad. Come on, somebody say, it made him mad if we didn't use authority. So Jesus says, bring the boy to me. I love Jesus, don't you? It's like he's not having a bad day on authority use, right? He must be confident God's gonna back him up. Would you guys agree with that? He says, bring the boy to me. How long has it been happening? Since he was a youth. Throws himself in the fire and the water. Okay. And the guy looks up at Jesus and says, if you can do anything, can you help me? That's a lame prayer. Is that, that's no faith. Can you imagine talking to Jesus, say, if you can do anything? Jesus is batting a thousand. He's not having bad ministry times, you guys. And the guy says, if you can do anything, I love Jesus. He doesn't get upset. I think he's thinking, really? If I can do anything, okay. I love what he says. If you can believe, all things are possible. If you can believe. And the guy's prayer now is maybe even worse. I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus says, good enough. Boom, healed the kid. <laughs> it's amazing. Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. See, I think belief trumps doubt like light trumps darkness. I just think we need a little belief in Jesus and it's bigger than all of our doubts. Come on. I'm trying to build you back up in belief again. I'm on a campaign to try to find some believers that believe. Jesus said in John eleven forty, 40, if you believe, you'd see the glory. I want us to believe tonight. I want revival tonight to start. I don't think any of you are expecting it. I want something to happen tonight that catapults this ministry like a mushroom cloud. Come on, don't you guys want that to happen? Come on, man. So I believe in healing because I believe in authority. I remember when Jesus was talking one time, they cut a hole in the roof and 
And he, and he sees faith. He didn't see a wreck. He didn't see a lawsuit. He sees faith. And they let him down. First thing he says is, son, I forgive you. And everybody calls him a blasphemer. They're thinking he's a blasphemer. He goes, well, just so you know, I have authority and power. Rise up. I love that. Jesus doesn't, listen, Jesus doesn't do um, show and tell. He does tell and show. <laughs> Think about it. Because he never leaves authority. It's a big deal what I'm talking about, you guys. I don't operate in it like I should. All of us have been given all authority. If we have all authority, that means our enemy doesn't have any. Or we wouldn't have all. But usually we operate on how we're feeling instead of what he told us he gave us. Should I, should I go on to the next point? Another reason why I believe in authority is because Jesus never told anybody to pray for sick people. Ever. He said, heal them. Well, how's that possible? We can't heal anything. But we have his authority. Have you ever studied Jesus' prayers for miracles? There aren't any. Ah! You know what he does? He's like, he's like, here, let me spit in your eye. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> or, hey, why don't you just pick up your mat? That, how did that work? Pick up your mat? Or, rise up. Or, be loosed. <laughs> Come forth. How do you like his deliverance ministry? <laughs> he didn't go back and find when the door was open. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, I'm getting in trouble now. I'm walking in messes now. He, 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 didn't, he didn't try to get Jesus to meet you in the womb. You know what his tactic was? Go. We have manuals on deliverance. And he just said, go. And he happens to live in all of us. So maybe, maybe we need to start believing again in the authority we have. Come on, come on. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I believe in healing because I believe in the kingdom. Don't you believe in the kingdom? How many believe in the kingdom? Matthew 12, 20, Matthew 12, 28 says, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, that means the kingdom of God has come upon you. So that must mean there's a kingdom of God because Jesus can't lie. Come on. Jesus would preach the kingdom, right? Matthew 4, 17, repent because the kingdom's coming, right? It's right around the corner. Repent. The whole Old Testament, there's like a half a dozen instances with demons in the New Testament. They're every other day. What was the difference? Jesus wouldn't bring the kingdom of God. Demons can't keep hidden. Come on. I'm preaching better than you're acting. Man, alive. So uh, I, I believe in the, in the kingdom. I believe that our whole prayer focus, everything you guys stand for at IHOP should be focused on Matthew 6.10. That should be the ultimate goal of all of our prayers. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right here, like it is in heaven. 
Shouldn't that motivate everything we do in life? Come on, the way we spend our money, the way we read our word, the way we study, the way we serve people, the way we try to have faith, the way we do our prayer life, shouldn't it be to get what's going on in his realm to come down here and change our realm? Don't you guys agree with that? Come on, you guys. So we're supposed to pray for the kingdom to come. We're supposed to seek the kingdom. Matthew 6, 33, we're supposed to seek the kingdom. Come on. If you get the kingdom, it's his kingdom. He's in charge. Listen to this. In Matthew 10, we're supposed to preach the kingdom. So we're supposed to pray it, supposed to seek it, supposed to preach it. As you go, preach saying. You know, I'm, I'm finishing up my course of study right now. I have a few classes left. Yay! I'm, I'm getting educated, man. Listen. Now listen. Listen. Train. Good timing. In my preaching classes, we had to learn how to do points and conclusions and introductions and exegesis and eisegesis and hermeneutics. And, and you, know how, you know how Jesus taught preaching? As you go, preach this. The kingdom's near. Class dismissed. I wish he was my teacher for preaching 101 and 102. I wish he was my teacher. Can you imagine the disciples? They're ready to take notes, man. He goes, this is how you do it. Just preach the kingdoms at hand. And then heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Freely you've received, freely give. Amen. So we're supposed to preach the kingdom, and then we're just supposed to live it. Come on, Luke 17, 21, the kingdom's in all of us. We're supposed to live it because the kingdom's in the Holy Spirit, right? Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit's in you, the whole kingdom's in you. Come on, all the fullness of the fullness of God is in you, and it's his domain. He's in charge, and he's bigger than sickness and pain and depression and all the things we deal with. Come on, he's in charge of his kingdom. Amen. Huh. I believe in healing because I believe in the price he paid on the cross, the atonement. You know, if I read Isaiah 53, especially verses 4, 5, and 6, or 1 Peter 2, 24, that he died so we could die to sin and live to righteousness by his stripes. We were healed. I believe he paid a price for us to receive healing. Do you guys believe that? I, I believe that his sacrifice was for, you know, he was, he was bruised for my transgressions so I could be forgiven he was wounded for my iniquity so I could be cleansed and purified of my nature. The chastisement of my emotional and soulish deliverance was upon him. And by his big wound, I was healed. Forgiveness, cleansing, deliverance, healing. I believe in it. How do you guys believe in it? Jesus didn't have to be beaten to give us eternal life. He could have hung on a cross because everything that hangs, hangs on a pole is cursed. He could have cursed sin on a cross, but he didn't want to spare any pain to let us know that no matter what we ever face in life, he's gone before us to pay the price. Come on, you guys. Now, here's some good news. Jesus did all of his healing miracles before he did the atonement. So he didn't need the atonement to pull the miracles off because he operated in faith and authority and sonship and come on. So if he could do it, 
Uh, anybody who claims to be in Christ, 1 John 2, 6, must walk even as Jesus walks. Amen. And I believe in healing because I see miracles. But here's the number one reason why I believe in healing. You ready? Number one reason. Out of, I could give you hundreds. This is the number one reason. When I pray for someone and they don't get healed, how much it hurts inside reveals to me that God must live inside there. Because if he would have been the one that put hands on them, they would have got healed. And he's letting me feel his heart. If I never felt pain when people didn't get healed, I don't know if I'd believe in it. You say, well, that's weird. Yeah, it's, it keeps me humble. It lets me know that God lives in me. Come on, you guys. So, so, so several years ago, I was really weary. You ever get weary? I mean, I was weary before COVID. <laughs> and I was traveling 300 days a year away from home, and I was tired. And I remember I was at Corey Jones's house. He's a pastor in Fort Worth, Texas. He's got an unbelievable church. They do morning, noon, and night prayer. They're, they're, it's unbelievable. He's a Nazarene. He's here tonight. He's my buddy. He came to spend the week with me. He didn't know I was even preaching tonight, but he's just here to be with me. And I was at his house spending the night, and I had a dream. I had a dream. Now, I was so weary, and some guy, sometimes God knows just what you need to yank you out of your weary and well-doing state. Would you guys agree with that? God gave me a dream. And a dream, revival broke out at Corey's church. Corey, stand up. Just wave your hand so they know you're here. That's Corey, okay? Corey's the one that hosted the awakening conference that we had Mike Bickle come down last year in October and preach at. That was at his church. You get it? Okay, you're real impressed. I can tell. Um, so, so this is what happened. I dreamed that revival broke out in his church and it became so profound that God TV put it on TV seven nights a week from seven to 10. And people came from all over the world and got healed and got filled with the Holy Spirit and they got impartations of fire and power and they went back to their nations and revival broke out and I woke up. I had a dream like that at his house about his church. You get it? You get it? I'm weary. Come on. I got some stuff going on at home. One of my kids is really kind of having a hard time. I'm getting a lot of critics. You know, you guys are blessed. IHOP doesn't have any critics. You guys are so blessed, man. I, I've read the stuff they write about you. It's nothing compared to what they write about me. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to be happy. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Okay. Because there's a lot to talk about here. You know, you guys pray 24 hours a day and you study the word and you never stop worshiping and you come to church on Friday night in the middle of a pandemic with masks on. It's like, yeah, you guys are weird, you know. Um, I'm being funny. Okay. So I was weary, you guys, because criticism, I got troubles at home and I'm on the road and I'm tired and God gives me a dream. Isn't God good? Think about it. And so I get up and I'm sharing the dream with Corey and Beth, his wife. We're drinking coffee and they're crying because they want that to happen, you guys. Every real Christian wants revival to break out. We, we, we don't want anything but that. Is that true? Um, as I was sharing with them, 
<laughs> I get a phone call, and it's Randy Clark. I don't know him. I don't know him. I read his book, There's More, seven times, because there's more. <laughs> but I don't know him. But there's more. I promise you there's more. Just look around you how dead we are. There has to be more. Come on. I mean, there has to be more. There has to be a, there has to be a place in the kingdom where the fire of God could fill this room and nobody could move under the manifest presence of God. Come on. If, if God's glory could fill a temple where priests couldn't stand up in an old covenant that's like nothing compared to what we have, then there has to be more. Would you guys agree? There has to be more. So he called me the morning after I had that dream. And he goes, Dan Bo, I go, yeah. He goes, do you care if I pray an impartation on you for more? And I went, yeah. So I said, Corey, I got to go outside. So I went out in the backyard. I kind of walked back and forth. Now, this guy, I never met him. I never met him. I don't know him. He now, he endorses my book. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and I get criticism about that too. Okay, so um, <laughs> I shouldn't even be saying this. This is stupid. I'm giving him way too much credit. <laughs> but listen, listen to me. He starts praying that the fire would break out in the Nazarene church and millions and thousands of people would be healed and baptized in the spirit and miracles of the kingdom of God would explode. He's praying that over me. He doesn't know me a morning after the dream. And then he says, Lord, let angels poke their heads through every room he ever preaches in so they interfere all the demonic confusion that people have to fight so that everybody's heart can receive all that you're teaching them. I mean, he's, pray, he's, he's screaming on the phone to me. And he goes, amen. And I said, thank you. Boom. I don't know him. I didn't feel goosebumps. I didn't feel tingles. I was hungry. But I didn't feel nothing. So let me tell you what happened the next 30 days, and then we'll pray. Is that good? Because I've been in ministry for 12 years. You know, we've seen thousands of miracles. Like, I just now got done traveling for two weeks and saw 142 healings. So I've seen thousands of miracles. But I'm going to tell you one, one month that happened after I got a phone call after a dream when I felt like giving up. So the first church I was at was Waco, Texas, and I got up to preach, and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge about somebody's intestines being healed. So I just said it. Nothing happened. It's quiet. I just felt like, that was fun. <laughs> and I kept waiting, you know, maybe somebody would cry or whimper. And it was nothing. So I said, okay. Thank you, Jesus, for that. That feels good. And then I started preaching. <laughs> And I got to the end of my sermon, and I noticed a lady over on this side of the sanctuary started getting a real bright red face like she was having a heart attack. And so I said, are you okay? And she goes, yes, why? Look at your face. And she goes, well, now that you mention it. Now, this is what she said. She was a board member. She's a leader. She goes, I was born deaf in this ear, and while you're preaching, my ear's popping, and I've been checking messages on my phone in my deaf ear, and I can hear perfect. God healed her ear. Now listen, no healing service. 
no oil, no prayer of faith. It's just like God must have been in the word. <laughs> yes. So, as a good day, come on, somebody's deaf ear gets opened and that was that was the day after the prayer on the phone, the day after. Now, about a week later I got a card in the mail with a big check. And it was the lady that ran the sound booth that had nine years of intestine pain that she said when I said that word, she felt like tingly warm in her stomach, but she didn't know what to think because she was used to pain. And she lost all of her pain. She went to the doctor the following week and they couldn't find any of the disease in her intestines and she was healed. <laughs> yes. So I went from there to Wichita Falls, Texas, Pastor Matt. I remember I asked people, come forward if you need a miracle. And I was just laying hands on folks. And all of a sudden, the worship leader lady had a five-year-old son who had thick glasses. And she goes, pray for his asthma. And I go, okay. I got ready to touch his chest. And the Holy Spirit says, pray for his eyes first. I said, why? He didn't answer me. (laughs) Yay. And I know he's not rude because he's perfect love. When he says something, you don't have a right to argue. I don't think delayed obedience is obedience. That's why we miss miracles. Come on, it's only in the moment that he can work. He can't work in the past or the future. It's in the moment. So it has to be instant obedience. Uh, I'm preaching really good. So, so I said to the lady, I said, can I pray for his eyes? And she goes, why? And I, I didn't know what to say. So I just said, I just think I want to or something. <laughs> so she took his glasses off. I put my hand on his eyes and his chest. And I prayed for the asthma and the eyes to be healed. And the little kid started doing this. He just, he's five years old. He was doing this. It's like, what in the world, man? This that we don't do that. We don't do that. So I said, amen. I went to down the line. I'm just going down the line, praying for people, praying for people. And I hear the kids saying, I don't need them. And the mom says, put your glasses on. I don't need them, mom. Put your glasses on. I don't need them. And the kid runs out of the sanctuary into the foyer. He, just le- he runs from his mom. Well, three days later, she's up leading worship and she breaks down crying. She goes, I got to testify. My kid doesn't have any breathing problems. He's running around like a madman and he hadn't put his glasses on for three days. I don't know how to explain it because his glasses were big, thick glasses and God healed his eyes. Come on. I went went from there to Gilmer, Gilmer, Texas, Gilmer, Texas, Uh, Pastor Jim was in the military for years and he hurt a bunch of vertebrae in his back and he was in constant pain and he was real unemotional because he's kind of a military guy. He's kind of like stoic. And the Lord said, just go put your hand on his back. So we're standing in the foyer before one of the services and I said, do you care if I touch your back? He goes, why? I said, I just feel like I'm supposed to. So I just touched his back and he starts crying. I'd never seen him cry. He was kind of a stoic guy. I said, why are you crying? He goes, my back's on fire. 
I said, well, what do you mean? And he starts bending over and all his five fused vertebrae all loosened up and he's able to touch his toes with no pain. And so before I get up to preach, he testifies to his church, Dan just touched my back in the foyer. I, don't, I never felt this before. And so that night, this blind guy comes up for prayer. I, let, I prayed for him. At, when I got to my hotel, he texted me and says, I can see, Brother Dan. My tile in my bathroom's green. And he goes down all, he says, I can see. He'd been blind from diabetes for 10 years. He could see. I went from there to Denison, Texas. I remember it was kind of hard. I felt hard. It was just like there was just a, it was a depression, you know? A lot of times, there's, it seems like it's harder to work in churches than it is the streets. Have you noticed that? And that's not possible for really believers. So how many fakers are there? Am I being rude? There shouldn't be demonic interference in a church service. Who lets them in? <laughs> Man, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> so, uh, I said, hey, there's a wall here. I can't preach. I feel like somebody's really being oppressed by demons. Who is it? And it was a pastor's wife. She goes, it's me. So I went down and tried to lay hands on her, and she fell on the ground and she laid on the ground, you guys. I've never seen this ever before or since. She's only touching her heels on the ground, and she's levitated about three inches off the ground with her heels touching, and she's just up in the air talking with a deep voice. So all the pastors laid hands on her. We cast the demon out. We have authority. We have authority. She, she had peace. She had joy. She goes, thank you. I feel so much rest now. And she goes back to her seat. So I'm ready to preach my sermon. <laughs> Demon's gone, we can preach now. Come on. And so I got ready to preach, and this lady gets on the back row. She's eight and a half months pregnant. She walks up and interrupts me again. But I didn't feel the wall, so I didn't know what it was. And she had two arm braces on. I go, what's wrong? She goes, I have damaged wrist. I can't bend my wrist. It's been years. I'm getting ready to have this baby in two weeks. I can't hold my baby. Would you pray for me? Sure. I grabbed her hands. Lord, heal her wrist. <laughs> How do you pray a good prayer? I don't think God's impressed with your prayers. I think he looks at the heart. Come on, you guys. So she goes, thank you. I said, no, wait a minute, can I pray for your baby? Because you got to ask him. You just can't put your hand on a big belly without asking him. And I, I did. She, Bless the baby, God. Let this little baby grow. I don't remember what I prayed, but I prayed. And she went back. I'm going to start my sermon. She starts crying, interrupting me. And I said, what's wrong? She walks up front, and she doesn't have the arm braces on. And she says, I haven't been able to bend my wrist in two years, and I'm healed. Unbelievable. I, I, went, I went from there. Now, I'm just telling you about 30 days after a phone call, after a dream, when I wanted to quit. So I went to um, Tyler, Texas, where Pastor Dave was the pastor, and it was hard. I find a lot of hard places, and I, I don't like it, but it's job security. 
if everybody was on fire, I'm going home. I'll just sit in the prayer room with you guys. I mean, I got nothing to do, right? When your calling is to wake up the church, if everybody was awake, I wouldn't have a job. Is that right? Come on. So it's real hard, Tyler. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. So I just said, I don't know how to close the service. I was frustrated. I said, just do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. That's what I said. That's how we'll end. <laughs> well, this lady starts running around the back of the church. She, and she turns the corner and she runs out of her shoes. And then she runs down front and she slides into the altar. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, the Holy Spirit told you to do that? <laughs> I mean, come on. But then this guy over here stands up, and I know him. His name's Paul. He has Parkinson's. He's shaking like this. I've known him for three and a half years, you guys. I've known him for three and a half years, and he can't stop shaking. And he always comes to my meetings because he wants me to pray for him. If you want something to bug you, have somebody keep coming to you for prayer when you aren't helping them. I prayed for him six or seven times, and he kept coming back to the meetings. And he would say, can I buy you a steak? Yes. <laughs> and I felt bad. I mean, I wasn't doing anything to help him. Come on. And so Paul, he's 66, Parkinson's. He stands up. And I'm thinking he's having a, you know, an attack or something. He has pain, a lot of pain in his body. And I said, Paul, what's wrong? Because he just stood up. You know, lady runs, slides into the altar. Everybody else is just sitting there like, I ain't doing nothing. I mean, that's what, what's he, what does he mean? Do whatever the Holy Spirit says. I mean, what did he mean by that? You know, everybody's like, what does that mean? And one guy stands up and a lady slides home. I mean, that's, that was it. So, um, <laughs> the guy just, Paul, I said, Paul, what happened? He goes, I felt like God told me to stand up. I said, okay. And he goes, look. And he, he walked up front and he testified that that day he went to his doctor to try to up his meds to help the pain and they couldn't up them. They're up the highest level. And he said when he felt like he was supposed to stand up, he said it, uh, he just felt God go through his body and he couldn't shake anymore. Nobody touched him. Isn't that amazing? So, so then I went to Ovilla Road, and there was a lady in a wheelchair, and I wanted to pray for her, because I wanted to pray for the wheelchair lady, and God says to me, he said, don't you touch her, she's afraid of you. I said, why? He didn't answer, so I didn't touch her. And then third day of the meeting, he says to me, go up and pray for her now. And so I went up to her at the end of the service. People were kind of praying at the altar. I said, why are you in the wheelchair, honey? And she goes, I had a stroke. I'm paralyzed on this side. It's a couple years I've been paralyzed. I said, do you care if I pray for you tonight? And she goes, oh, I was, I was hoping you would. The first night, I was so afraid of you. So I said, okay. I grabbed her hand and she stood up. I didn't pray for her. I grabbed her hand, she stood up, and she followed me around the room and laid hands on everybody with me that I prayed for. We laid hands on them together. Yeah. Yeah. 
I went from there to Odessa, Texas. I'll never forget that place. I remember this lady was 70 years old. She walked up on a walker, and she's dragging her feet, and I think she wants prayer. It's the first Sunday morning. I'm there for three days. And I said, you want prayer? She goes, oh, I'm good. And then she goes, I need you to pray for my husband. And I'm thinking, you know, he's probably dead. If, if, she's, if she's good, I mean, if she's good, I don't know. So how can God start a revival if we're all just laughing like this? I mean, I was crying today, all serious about the outpouring coming, like, oh, you're coming, God, and now we're just laughing? <laughs> I used to get slapped by my mom for laughing in church. I did. And you guys laughed at that. That's just crazy. So... Um, <laughs> you know, we might laugh more often if we turn off Fox News. Okay, I'm, I'm really serious now. I said, okay, what's wrong with your husband? And she goes, that's him on the back row back there. I look back and he was just staring at me just with a scowl. I went, what's wrong with him? And she said, well, I think he's a Christian. He's just not all in yet. <laughs> okay. Thanks for, t I'll pray. So she drags her feet back to her seat. And third day of the revival, she comes dragging her feet up on her walker and says, hey, I think today I want you to pray for me. Now, the whole time I preached for three days, the guy just eyeballed me. He stared at me the whole time. He hates me. He's staring at me. Just Every once in a while, I would just wink at him. I wanted him to know. I wanted him to know. I wanted him to know that I see him, right? So he's, <laughs> I just wink. <laughs> That's not mean. That's love, man. That's love. Come on. So I said, you ready for prayer? She goes, yeah. I touched this lady's cheek. She fell on the ground. Nobody caught her. She's 70 years old. She's got myopathy in her feet. She can't feel her feet. Now she's dead. You know, she hit her head. She fell down. And it's not funny. It's not funny. And I'm like, oh my. And I knelt down and she started laughing. She started laughing. I said, why are you laughing? She goes, I feel good. I said, you do? And she got up, you guys. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. None of these stories are exaggerating. My wife told me today, I don't care if you tell miracle stories, but you, got, you can't exaggerate. And my wife's watching, so I'm spot on. Now listen to this. She started dancing around without her walker. And God healed her. And I know he healed her because I saw her six months later, and she still wasn't walking with a walker. She was healed. And all I did was touch her cheeks. Her husband's at the altar now, by the way, the guy that stared at me for three days. He's finally at the altar. And he's just bawling, you know, snotting, bawling, snotting. 
and he gets up and hugs me and leans into me, you know. <laughs> he, he doesn't like me, man. He does not like me, and he's, he's hugging me. And I said, hey, buddy, you know, I don't know his name. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Praise God, buddy. And he finally backs up enough, and he goes, hey, man, thanks for preaching the truth. He didn't hear one thing I preached. <laughs> and then he says, I'm all in. Come on, man. Is that amazing? It's amazing, you guys. And I went to Belton, Texas, and there was two retired district superintendents that came forward. They were both in their 80s, and one of them needed hearing healing, and one of them needed cancer healing. And I just prayed for the ears, you know, to open up on Harold. He couldn't hear. I didn't help him. But I wanted to. I don't understand it, you guys. Do you? It bothers me. Jesus didn't have any problem. He lives in me. So I don't know what is in me that blocks him from being at home. He's the same. And I believe, and I study, and I pray, and I fast, and I worship, and sometimes it doesn't happen. Come on, you guys. And it hurts. But if you live in the hurt instead of the faith, nothing will ever happen. So he didn't get healed, but now Mar Marcel's there with cancer in his chest, the size of a fist, stage four. And he goes, pray for my cancer. So I touched his chest, and he goes, oh, it's burning. And I found out a week later that the cancer was gone. Hmm. So I like, I like Carmela, I think is her name, isn't it? Or somebody that's going to lead some. Thank you, honey. You're amazing. You're amazing. Um, so you guys know that I told you those stories after that phone call because I want you to know the power of an impartation, how it can affect your faith. No goosebumps. No warmth, no electricity, just a phone call. But I was so hungry. Come on, are you guys hungry? So let me tell you what's happened to me this year. Because um, I never... Um, I've never been able to spend six months in a room with Jesus, ever. I was in construction, a builder, developer, 70, 80 hours a week, you work. And then God called me to this ministry and it's 300 days a year you travel. And then this year, you know, all of a sudden we had to cancel the whole year. And I'm at home and I, I'm in a room with Jesus for six months. I never, I never had that. Oh, I read my word. Come on, you guys. I read, I read the Bible 500 pages a week for 15 years. I love the Bible. It's my, people say, what's your hobby? You got to have a hobby for soul care. The Bible. That's my hobby. I'd rather do that than anything. Because it's life, man. It's power. I believe in it. So, 
But I'm sitting there in that room and I didn't know what Jesus was doing to me. Half the time I'd be up here in the room and I'd go home, sit in the room and come here in the room, sit in the room. It's like, I just want to be in the room. And in, in April, I wrote a letter to God and said, if you don't help me get healthy, I don't know if I can keep living. Because when I got hit by the semi, I gained 250 pounds and got unhealthy, got diabetes, got pain, all that stuff that goes with the getting hit with the semi. It, it, it messes with you, right? It messes with you. And I wrote this letter. I said, God, this is April 27th. I said, God, I have to lose weight and I can't live like I'm living. I'm in pain. I'm embarrassed. I feel like I embarrass my team. I feel like my wife's embarrassed. I live humiliated and I can't go on. I've battled this for 25 years and I need your help. I want your help. I'm seeking you, Father. I'm seeking you, Jesus. I'm seeking you, Holy Spirit. I can't do it. I've tried. I can't. I'm, and I'm, I'm in the room with him, right? I've been in the room with him for a month and now I'm asking him to help me. And you know what he said? I love Jesus, man. You know what he said? Hey, if you can quit approaching it like a one-year diet, I can't help you with that. But if you'd let me help you one day at a time, I could change your life the rest of your life. I said, well, how are you going to do that? He goes, just trust me. So I started this eating in moderation. You know, 2,000 calories a day instead of 10. And since April 27th, I've lost 66 pounds. And I, I, I feel like I, right now I'm lighter than I've been since I was in my mid-30s. I feel like a new person. You know when it started? Because I was hopeless, you guys. I tried for 25 years. It was hope deferred. And Jesus spoke to me. Just like the phone call. Just like the tent revival when I stretched my hands up. It was those moments where something's birthed in you. And I, I feel like tonight, yes. Yes, no more fear, buddy. Come on. No more fear. No more fear. You don't need fear anymore. Fear, you leave right now. He doesn't have to have fear ever again as long as he lives. Spirit of fear, you're gone. You're dead. I cast you out. Give him a spirit of courage. Give him a spirit of love. In Jesus' name. Amen. You won't be the same. You won't be the same. I love you, buddy. So. So. I tell you these things because I live in the word, I live in prayer, I just live with Jesus, but I still needed fresh impartations to jumpstart what my effort can't do. Come on, man. When Jesus looks at you and he says, wow, I can't resist that kind of faith. It's because somewhere along the line, something fresh has been birthed in you. It impresses God. Amen? So my prayer today and this week as I've prayed about this service, I prayed that God would birth 
brand new first faith, first fruit, first love expectancy where none of us would be leaning back in our chairs of faith wondering when he's going to do it. But we'd be leaning forward thinking, oh, he could do it at any moment. You need to believe that God wants to give you a fresh impartation of faith tonight. Amen? Come on, church. You guys believe that. You guys believe that. Now, I know this is weird. This is weird with COVID. This is weird. Because I, I may be the sickest guy in the room, and I don't know it. Right? And so I don't want to scare anybody. I used to think, because of Randy's book, that if, to have a powerful impartation, you had to have a powerful experience that you feel. I've rethought that. Because if you can feel it, it doesn't take faith. I've come to realize that the most powerful impartations you can receive, they're by faith. Because God rewards those who faith to him. Come on. So I want to do this before we pray for healings. I really want to pray for an impartation of fresh faith to fall on all of you. Would that be good? So would you just stand? Would all of you just stand and just hold your hands out? And we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. And I want you to receive it. I want you to receive it. Come on, you say, well, you don't know about my marriage. You don't know about my kids. You don't know about my finances. You don't know about my pain. God knows about all of it. Come on. Let's get our eyes off of what's wrong tonight and get our focus back on the one who's always there. Come on. So, Father God, I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. I ask you to impregnate everyone in this room with fiery first love faith. Let it be innocent, untainted, unoffended faith. Pure faith. I just pray for a baptism of your fire to come on every man and woman in this room right now. Everybody in this room, everybody in the back. I pray for Misty and Mike and the praise team, everybody working with kids. Lord, let this house be a house that's expecting at any moment the kingdom's coming, at any moment the glory's coming, at any moment the fire's falling, at any moment revival's sweeping. Come on, Lord, I pray. I pray for an impartation, fresh, fiery faith. Come. Come on, no more weariness, no more fear. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys receive that. Come on, you receive it. You receive it. Can you praise God? Come on, let's praise God. Let's praise God. Come on. Come on. Let's praise Him. Come on, let's praise Him. Come on! Come on, lift up a shout of praise! Come on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Amen, amen. Now, how many of you are uh, feeling the pain leave your body already? Right now, you feel pain leaving your body. If you do, I want you to wave your hands really high if you feel pain leaving your body. Wave your hands at me right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Nobody's prayed yet. I wonder if your faith just touched yourself. Come on, Jesus must be in the room. What do you think, you guys? Isn't that what we want? I don't want to come here every two or three months and preach and have to rile you up. I don't want to do that. You hear what I'm saying? I want you guys to operate in first faith. Come on, first faith. To where you don't let your circumstances become larger than the focus of your vision. So now what I want to do is I want to pray for sick people. And I don't know how to do it. So I'm going to ask everybody that's a part of the prayer team. Because Kirk Bennett is home. I don't see Isaac. In fact, I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody. I see Diane. But I want the prayer team to come up here and face the crowd. And I want us to pray prayers of faith, man. Now listen, prayers of faith aren't God, come and help us. That's not a prayer of faith. Prayers of faith are, God, you live inside of me. Flow through me and touch them right now profoundly. Will, I need your help. Josh, I need your help. I want your help. Erica, come up here. You're part of the life mission prayer team. I need, I need all the prayer warriors. Corey, now, if you need prayer, I want you to come up here with fresh faith. You just got an impartation of faith. And we're going to believe for the supernatural. Come on, dude. Come on. Come on. Come on. Josh. Josh. Set this down there. Set this down there. Come on up, people. You want prayer. Everybody's anointed. Come on. Everybody's anointed. Jesus is the healer. Okay. So Diane's mom's pain's gone in her foot already. She just got healed right there. Come on.